This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're turning our attention to long-gestating legislation at the state capitol, which would overhaul New York's system of health insurance and has been updated this summer in response to opposition from certain elements of organized labor that had contributed to the measure stasis in Albany. To discuss the changes and the issue more broadly, we're joined by the Assembly Health Committee Chair, Amy Paulin, a Westchester County Democrat. Welcome back to the show, Assemblymember. Thank you so much, Dave. So for starters, broadly speaking, why does it make sense to move away from our current mix of private and public health insurance options and transition to only a government-run system? What's the elevator pitch, I guess, for uh, listeners unfamiliar with the concept? The single-payer concept is not a new concept. You know, we are one of the only countries that do not have universal care for our citizens and for our residents. So it's not a new concept. Uh, We certainly have it already in this country, Medicare and uh, veteran services. So we already have models that are working very well. It's really just expanding those models to include more people. And ideally, it should be done at the federal level. And as we all know, you know, states are often the impetus for the federal government to do what they need to do. So, you know, we're looking for more universal coverage. This is a very good way of doing it. The models around the country show better health outcomes in many areas, and people are very satisfied. So who hasn't dealt with their insurance company and had phone call after phone call trying to get their loved one care and being denied or getting reimbursed or, you know, we're just having general aggravation. So this is... um, a very good model, and you know we're hoping to um, you know push the envelope a little bit here. Well, turning to the legislation itself, the New York Health Act, how has it been changed, say, from last year in response to concerns from some members of organized labor uh, who had, uh, I guess, issues with the possibility of their benefits uh, being diminished as part of an overhaul? Essentially, that was a, a valid concern that we addressed in this new legislation, which now would guarantee that their existing health care plan not be diminished and, in fact, be codified to ensure that they would have those same provisions in their, in their health plan. And from a practical perspective, what would the original version or the 2022 version of the New York Health Act have meant for some of these members uh, of organized labor? What are the benefits that they might have seen changed? Well, I, I don't think that we would know, nor could they have known, because it was more of a concern that they would want what they viewed as their a very good health plan to be continued, and the fear that somehow it wouldn't be. So I don't know that we could identify the specificity of those those elements in their plan. They were just wanting to be sure that it wasn't diminished in any way. Well, what's the impact of these changes on the system more broadly, as you're envisioning? For example, by guaranteeing the existing benefits, could that increase cost projections for the program? Obviously, I'm inheriting this bill very gladly and from my deemed former colleague, Dick Gottfried. And I will say that he would say that we believe that the elements that would have been guaranteed would have been in the plan anyway, but this way we just put it in the law to 
make everybody feel like it's going to be there. But the truth is, we believe that it would have been anyway. So the cost would have been the same. By putting this guarantee into the bill, do you anticipate this will put to rest any opposition from organized labor, which has been uh, identified as one of the major stumbling blocks to achieving this legislation? No, I don't. <laughs> I, I think that there'll still be opposition that we'll have to work through, but I'm hoping that there'll be less. Uh, opposition from organized labor? I don't know. You know, we'll see. We haven't gotten any response yet from, you know, or any reaction. The, the bill the bill doesn't, uh, we're waiting for a bill number. You know, we filed the bill, but waiting for a bill number. So I don't know if the Senate bill popped yet. It's hard to react to something that they haven't seen. And do you anticipate that the future prospects of the bill will be continued to be tied to the support or opposition from organized labor? Because uh, you mentioned Dick Gottfried. We, we spoke uh, before he departed with the then Assembly Health Committee chair, and, and he blamed uh, organized labor's opposition for being one of the major holdups for this. The perspective of organized labor is very important to both the Assembly and the Senate, so that is a definite key factor, but I wouldn't say it's the only factor. If this was going to seriously move ahead, we'd need to conference the bill uh, in both houses and uh, be sure that um, everyone felt similarly that it should go forward. Any other significant changes to the the bill from the, say, 2022 version? I would say that they were most mostly technical changes. They were, you know, reviewing the bill, making the language consistent, but the substantive change had to do with organized labor. Well, turning to the bill itself and that idea of the benefits that the system might be providing, what would be covered uh, under the latest version of the bill? It would be a comprehensive health plan. So it all, um, all health-related Incidents would be covered by the plan, and uh, similarly to um, Medicare and single payer elsewhere in the, in the you know in the world. Well, right now, for example, private health insurance companies can deny a treatment plan, arguing that it's maybe too expensive, or the benefits don't match the cost of it, or they could say that that something is not medically necessary. <laughs> Would a state-run system go through the same type of rationing process? There's always rationing in healthcare. Hopefully, there'll be less of it when you have a, a government program and more reliance on medical professionals to make those decisions. Right. So who would be the final arbiter of what would and wouldn't be covered under this bill? I think a lot of that would have to get worked out as we uh, develop the model which we would be doing, you know, at the same time if there was seriousness about the bill. You know, we would give the Department of Health the ability to have some oversight. You know, clearly there's always different treatments. You know, we have it now with Medicaid. You know, we run the Medicaid system. You know, there is an absolute oversight of equipment that can be used appropriately and all that. So we already have examples of doing that in the state. So I'm I feel confident that we would just be able to take those models that we're already using and expand on them for this. And in terms of putting the program together, would the issue of paying for it also be resolved after the legislation was enacted we into would, law? I would say we'd have to be doing that as we go along because 
clearly, you know, we would need to rely on some federal dollars. You know, we'd need waivers. You know, all that would have to be put in place. So there's a lot to do in order to implement this, which we would have to be, um, you know, we would need the governor's office to be equally serious. You know, we're just starting embarking, me as a new sponsor of the bill, and brand new to me, Dick obviously worked on it for years. So I'm trying to, you know, build on what he's done and um, and try to get everyone's attention. And hopefully we can uh, make some progress. In addition to federal dollars, though, I have to imagine there's an expectation that the state would need to generate its own revenue. So how would you like to see the funding for this well, be generated? Well, remember, we're already paying. Right. So, uh, But uh, as we transition away from premiums to private right. insurers, would you like to see taxes on health coverage? Would there be uh, increases to income taxes? What would be your preferred way of generating revenue? Well, I think we already rely on employers. So that's one option, right? A lot of health care is already based on the income tax. That's another option. Uh, We also have, when you think about all the employees, public employees, that's property tax based. Schools are mostly personnel. They all get health care. It's all through our property taxes. So there's a lot of tax models out there. You know, hopefully we stay away from property taxes. Um, you know, it could really uh, and make this a, a much better egalitarian tax system. But there are already taxes out there. That's what's paying for it now. So, you know, it's just looking at the existing tax structure and coming up with a plan. If the New York Health Act was to become law, what would you envision happening with the existing workforce in the private health insurance space? You know, with any change of this nature, yes, there would there would be, you know, a shift in, in jobs and job training and so forth. Those are highly skilled professionals, and uh, hopefully we can help move them into other areas. And what would the New York Health Act mean for reimbursement rates for medical coverage? Do you envision continuing the rates at, say, the levels provided by private insurance, or would they be more akin to the well, lower it, Medicaid know, if rates? That, if that wasn't proprietary information and I knew what it was, um, I could give, answer that question better. Well, generally speaking, though, there's a assumption and recognition that private rates uh, are higher. And, for example, healthcare workers prefer, doctors prefer to take on you know people with private insurance over Medicaid because of the lower rates. So would we need to pay higher rates to ensure that people would want to take state I would imagine and... we would be looking much more similarly at a, a Medicare model more than a Medicaid model for reimbursement. And could that potentially detract interest in joining the healthcare workforce? Maybe people would say, I'd rather be a doctor in uh, another state where I could make more money? I think we would have to consider that, you know, in setting rates. And again, if you look at places that have these systems, the health professionals are much happier and believe that they're compensated at a higher level. You know, when you take the money out of the insurance industry and put it into a um, healthcare model, the healthcare professionals are, feel and are being treated much more fairly. It's very complicated. It's a work in progress. You know, all these questions would need to get answered before final implementation. Well, finally, for New Yorkers who have maybe tried to take advantage of existing state services or benefits and not had the greatest experience dealing with uh, the bureaucracy, what would you tell them to 
generate some faith in the state's ability to take on uh, the New York Health Act, which would be a very massive uh, undertaking. You know, there's always um, a doubt about, you know, government's um, ability to do anything. That's a, that's a, a doubt we hear a lot from a lot of people. I would say to them that we should recognize that government does a lot of things well. This is something that we would be highly motivated to do well, and and we'd take it slow enough so that we didn't mess it up, you know. And the, the health department is very short-staffed right now, so we would need to um, shore them up. Well, we've been speaking with Assembly Health Committee Chair Amy Pollan. She is a Westchester County Democrat and sponsor of the New York Health Act. Assemblymember, thank you so much for making the time and diving into this issue with us. Thank you so much. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.